For many things in life, it takes time and effort before you can see meaningful improvement. But luckily for us, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, and is chef-crafted and ready to go in just two minutes. There are over 35 different options to choose from every week, and it doesn't just stop at lunch or dinner, they also have a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Truly every meal I've had from Factor has been delicious, but most importantly for me, it's beyond easy with no cooking or prep and especially no cleanup. Plus Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved, so I'm saving money and eating healthier even on the days when I don't feel like cooking. If you'd like to get started today and get after your goals, head to factormeals.com lightspeed50 and use code lightspeed50 to get 50% off. That's code LIGHTSPEED50 at factormeals.com slash LIGHTSPEED50 to get 50% off. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamor of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Lightspeed. Hello, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Freund. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Today's story is A Lie You Give and Thus I Take by Damian Angelica Walters, narrated by Gabrielle DeCure. This story is copyright 2014 by Damian Angelica Walters. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in various magazines and anthologies, including Nightmare, Year's Best Weird Fiction, Volume 1, The Best of Electric Velocipede, Strange Horizons, Lightspeed, Shimmer, Apex, and Glitter and Mayhem. Sing Me Your Scars, a collection of her short fiction, will be released in early 2015 from Apex Publications, and Paper Tigers, a novel, will be released later that same year from Dark House Press. And now, buckle up. We're going to light speed. A lie you give, and thus I take. By Damien Angelica Walters. Don't be fooled by the breadcrumbs in the forest. This is not a fairy tale. The first lie is pretty. 
and spirals from your mouth like candy floss. Sweet, so sweet, and I'm melting under your tongue. Baby, 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 you say, and I gobble it up, unaware that every word you say comes with a candy thermometer, and you've made me your latest caramel bonbon. We'll get to that later. It isn't your fault I'm starving. It is your fault. Your recipe is gourmet bullshit. And you want to know what I look like with the apron strings tied around my neck and how best you can fit me into your oven. <laughs> this is where I admit I'm caught by the sugar rush, but you already know that, don't you? You'll be safe here, you say. You'll be safe with me. I know you're not a witch, and there's no reason for me to doubt your royal peerage. You have the epaulets and posture to prove it. Your house is small, but it's bright and cheery, and my feet sink into marshmallow fluff, the sort of floor on which a girl could dance a pirouette, a woman, a waltz. I do neither, afraid I might trip over my own aspirations. Do you invite all the lost girls here, I ask? You smile and say, of course not. You're special. The words are strawberry shortcake, a little cloying, the portion too large, but I swallow it all. Okay, I say, and I want to smack myself on the head because it's late and I should be heading back. But the only thing waiting is a woodcutter's axe with my name on it, so instead I say, okay, again. The light changes, and for an instant, your teeth are canine sharp, your jaw a little too long. But that's the wrong story, isn't it? Perhaps you think the axe is from the wrong story, too, but there's always a woodcutter and always a blade waiting around the corner. And anyway, your teeth are fine, and if you bite a little when we're in your king-size bed, it's okay. I may have a sweet tooth, but I'm not delicate. In the morning... You're already out of the bedroom when I wake, and I hear you in the kitchen, wire whisk against glass bowl, wooden spoon stirring a sticky mess. I whisper good morning and look for the coffee, but you've got a piece of marzipan at the ready. I've been waiting for you my whole life, you say, and the sweet sticks to my teeth. And there's a cyanide burn when I swallow it down, but I don't pay attention because you're already pushing another piece between my lips. Then you hand me a bucket and a scrub brush, and I'm confused. That's definitely the wrong story. No tricks of light required. And you flick one hand. All the stories are the same story, you say. No, you're wrong, I say. 
your mask slips again, and what big teeth, and what the hell? A blink of an eye, and you're back. Good trick, isn't it, you say. But there's something hiding in your eyes. And later, when I'm scrubbing meringue from the linoleum, I realize you quite neatly sidestepped the whole story explanation bit. Clever. You leave me alone most days, and I pluck gingerbread from the roof to tide me over. At night, baby love tastes like peppermint and dark chocolate. Always is orange marmalade. Forever leaves a dusting of confectioner's sugar on my lips. But I'm still hungry. I feel your eyes watching my ass. When you're not looking, I check it in the mirror, but it still looks the same to me. I'm searching the cabinets for a package of chicken soup or even a cube of beef bouillon to rid the sugar residue from my throat when you storm in, your epaulets crooked. You were with the dwarves, weren't you? I laugh because I'm certain you're joking, but you whip out a handful of Polaroids and shove them in my face. How is that even possible, I say, looking at the tangle of limbs and the woman in the center. That isn't me, I say. I don't know any dwarves. They're not part of this story. This isn't a story, you say. I nod toward the picture. Those are a story, I say, and not my story. Look, she has a birthmark. You can see it on her leg. I offer my thigh as proof. The skin is pale and unblemished as freshly fallen snow. No, I'm not that girl. She's yet another story. In spite of what you may have heard, fair skin isn't unique. You move my leg this way and that, and then drag me over to the window so you can see in the bright sunlight... You keep muttering under your breath, and I wonder if it's a spell, and you're trying to magic the birthmark into existence. Fine, you say, as you let go of my leg and stomp off, crumpling the photos in your hand. But that night, you bite a little too hard, a little too many times, leaving me with a set of oddly shaped half-moon bruises. I stare at the ceiling, so exhausted I can't sleep, and listen to the rumbling of my stomach. You never apologize. Not for the bruises or the false accusation. Love, oh love, I'll never leave you, you whisper instead. <laughs> Tiramisu my greatest weakness. Funny how you figured that out so quickly. Oh, then again, maybe not. Maybe before the lies, you read everything you needed in the spaces between the grains of my own sugar. You measure the width of my hips with your hands, frowning all the while. I toss and turn beneath the sheets, drum my fingers along the xylophone of my ribs, and wish I had an enchanted spindle to help me to sleep.
Love, you whisper, and then a name, but it doesn't feel like my name. The syllables are wrong, all soft and slippery, instead of hard and clipped. I have the sensation of falling, falling through layer after layer of whisper-thin vellum, and I'm not certain how I got here at all. Then you touch my arm, and the sensation ebbs. And I can't remember ever being this hungry before. I stop eating bits of the house when you're not here. My vision gets swimmy, my hands shake, and my stomach feels as if it's caught in a battle between a tin soldier and a goblin. But my thoughts are sharper at the edges. I find a sheet-covered mirror, but the distorted face inside the glass belongs only to me. When you get home... I'm caught in the taffy pull of your hands again. Every morning I stick my finger down my throat, but it's always too late, and nothing comes up but bile. I'm scrubbing the floor again when I hear the squeak, squeak. I follow the noise until I get to a closet door I've never noticed, the door isn't locked, and surely if you didn't want me to look, you would have locked it and given me the key with strict instructions never to use it. I reach for the doorknob, but hesitate. What if the door is booby-trapped so you'll know I've opened it? What if there are severed heads inside, runnels of red dripping down ornate pedestals? I open the door all the way. I've never been afraid of a little blood, and I'm fairly certain Bluebeard's last wife escaped in the end. And there's a tray of chocolates on the top shelf. All of the sweets are marked with the impression of your teeth. And before I can wrap my head around that little fact, the air shimmers, and there's an old woman standing with a wand in her hand. Who are you? I ask. Nothing to concern yourself with, she says, and waves the wand. The chocolates drop to the floor and change shape and color. Gray fur, tiny feet, whiskers, and long tails emerge, and a swarm of mice run between my feet and head toward the front door, the little old woman following close behind. You're a fairy godmother, aren't you? I ask. She rolls her eyes. What, she said, did the wand give it away? Do you think you could give me a hand? Sorry, she says, I'm not your fairy godmother, so step aside and let us out. On the front lawn, she waves her wand again, and the tails and whiskers and fur fall off. Another wave of the wand, and women stand in the place of the rodents. They huddle in a circle, squinting in the sun, 
and covering their nakedness with their hands. I wonder how long they've been here, and who's writing this story, after all. I wonder if the women walk on mermaid feet of broken glass pane. But the air shimmers again, and I hear a ruffle of paper as they slip back into their own stories, and it's too late to ask. Probably for the best. Some tales shouldn't overlap. Every morning, you disappear into the forest. I've thought of following you, but it takes all my energy to keep a smile on my face. Are you pining by a glass casket? Waiting for a gullible girl who believes she can spin straw into gold? Or searching for elves so you can start a new career in shoemaking? <laughs> Maybe it's the hunger pangs. I'd give my kingdom for a slice of roasted chicken right now. But that's not on your menu. When you return, you poke my side and tell me I'm too skinny. I point to the raspberry preserves you've shoved in my mouth to remind you of the folly of your statement. You scrape the spoon against the side of the jar and tell me to open up. The ceiling in the bedroom has a crack in the center I've never noticed before. Or maybe the crack wasn't there before at all. I ignore the noises from my gut. In truth, they sound a little like Berlioz's Symphonie Fantastique, and I dig through the kitchen drawers until I find a pastry knife. I stand on the bed and wield the blade until the ceiling starts to break off in chunks. And here, then, is your story, hidden behind the sickeningly sweet fondant. I'd know your handwriting anywhere. This story doesn't have a proper narrative arc or a clear-cut plot. It rambles like lost children in a dark forest, and here and there things are scratched out and rewritten and scratched out and rewritten again where you've altered things to suit your fancy. It's nothing more than a vignette made up of all the leftover bits of other stories. But the pieces don't quite fit together no matter how many once upon a times you've scribbled in the corners. I chip away more fondant to reveal that I'm neither princess nor captive nor anything at all. I'm a character with no face, no self. <laughs> Quite interchangeable, really. In the kitchen, I take a good look at your recipes, running a fingertip down the list of ingredients. Sure enough, your creations are as wrong as your story. You've been feeding me saccharin and genetically modified flour. This is why my ribs are showing, why my skin looks like the inside of a well-used cast-iron pan. And I'm not surprised. Not at all. You walk in, all smiles and lollipops, and I hold out a recipe card. How was I supposed to exist on this, I say? What were you thinking? 
It's nothing, you say. You are my everything. Your hands are on me before I can blink, and I taste licorice in my mouth. Ugh, black licorice. I can't stomach this stuff. It isn't candy at all, merely some vile substance cooked up in a kitchen full of grim. I spit it out onto the floor and wipe my lips with the back of my hand. That isn't the way this works, you say. I don't like girls who won't eat. The skin of your face splits in the middle, and the two halves fall apart to reveal another face as much unlike your face as it is the same. Yet these eyes hold no expression, this mouth no mirth or kindness. You're a blank slate. And for the first time, I'm afraid, I can't tell if you're a wolf in sheep's clothing or a rabid sheep dressed in wolf skin, a bear in a man's suit, or a man caught in a bear suit in desperate need of a good fitting. I take several steps back, and your skin splits again. I ate all the breadcrumbs, the you thing says with a sneer and a flash of teeth. You'll never find your way out. The woods are too dark. Do you expect me to stay here after all this? I'll need a huntsman to cut me out of your belly when you're done, I say. Wrong story, you say. I thought you said all the stories were the same story. I never said that, you say. I want to laugh, but the ersatz sugar has drained the humor from my veins, and for a long moment I can't remember what my own laughter even sounds like, or if I've laughed since I've been here, or if I've ever laughed at all. How many stories will you tell before you realize they're all the same story, I say. Claws emerge from the tips of your fingers. My chest tightens, but I can't move, as if my legs are fused together. I open my mouth to speak, to cry, but nothing emerges. My hands are shaking, and inside I'm empty a woman of bone and pain and little else. And there's a hole inside me where the words should go. Please, I finally whisper, hating the weakness of the word, hating the implication, hating myself most of all for turning into the sort of person who says such a thing. You say nothing, merely split again from wolf to you thing, to bear and back again. The oven kicks on with a whoosh of orange-blue flame. This can't be the way the story ends, not with this cruelty. A sharp pain wrenches my breath away, as if I've a thousand tiny chefs carving slices of carpaccio from my heart. The oven might be a kindness after all. No, no, I say, this isn't right. You roar, and the sound eclipses the ache inside me. But I don't care if I get lost in the woods anymore. I'm tired and I'm hungry and I've had enough. 
I'm not a princess in need of rescue, nor a maiden without a voice, no matter how many times you've written me thus. The end, I say, my voice sandpaper and stone. Your eyes go wide. You can't do that, you say. You look like you want to say something else, but your shoulders hitch and your mouth opens, unhinging like a broken nutcracker. Out pours the kaleidoscope of peppermint rounds, caramels with cream centers, butterscotch bits, chocolate chips, candied orange slices, peanut butter cups, and lemon drops. The air fills with a cloying reek, a strange mix of sweetness and decay. Then you change yet again, but instead of splitting into new, the pieces of you fold in. Each origami fold reveals a flicker of a man, of beast, of man, as if you've told a hundred stories, crafted a hundred masks, and can't find the truth inside your fiction. The truth is that you can tell a lie a thousand times, but it still won't make it true. The air rushes around you, swirling in to claim the space you're leaving behind. You roar again, but it chokes off into a wheeze. You growl, but it fades into a strange mewling, and you keep folding in, reducing. There's a sound of tearing, of something ripping free, and I feel it inside my chest. You fold in again, and then there's no you at all. Only a scatter of blank pages, seesawing to the floor. Cracks appear in the walls, in the floor, and all around me, and the smell of burnt sugar and scorched pans. I've no hidden wings, and my hair isn't long enough to braid into a rope. So I crawl out of your story and back into mine tearing my hands and knees bloody. Even though I know my skin will heal in time, I'm afraid I'll never wipe away the bitter taste of anise from my mouth. There are no happy ever afters. Not truly. Someone always has to pay a price. Welcome back. You've been listening to Gabrielle de Cure reading A Lie You Give and Thus I Take by Damien Angelica Walters. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating at iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams. If you are not already a subscriber to our Hugo Award-winning magazine, check out our many options at lightspeedmagazine.com slash subscribe. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rudnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. 
Music and sound logos are composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Post-production for Lightspeed is in association with yours truly. Our audiobook, Lightspeed Year One, includes all of the podcasts from Lightspeed's first year. This collection is available from audible.com as well as downpour.com. Just search for Lightspeed and you're on your way. Our podcast this week is sponsored by our friends at digital publisher Open Road Integrated Media. Open Road creates connections between authors and their audiences by marketing its ebooks through a new proprietary online platform which uses premium video content and social media. This month, look for Genome by Sergei Lukyanenko. To learn more, visit openroadmedia.com. By the way, you can read an excerpt from Genome in our December 2014 ebook edition. This podcast is copyright 2014 by Lightspeed Magazine. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Heart Stephen King, Heart Chuck Palahniuk, Infected blends science fiction and horror into a pulpy masterpiece of action, terror, and suspense. James Rollins, New York Times bestselling author of The Judas Strain and Black Order. The Infected Trilogy is an unabridged three-season audio fiction series from number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Powerfully written, an unforgettable central character. Dallas Morning News. Infected is one hell of an exhilarating ride. Joe R. Lansdale, World Horror Convention Grandmaster and author of Bubba Hotep and Hap and Leonard. All 88 episodes, 53 hours of horror, are free and available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Sigler is the Richard Matheson of the 21st century. Infected is a flawless thinking person's thriller. Jonathan Mayberry, Bram Stoker award-winning author of V-Wars and the Joe Ledger series.